In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. found no proscenium the voice of everything immersive i'm your host noah nelson and welcome to episode 424 of our ongoing exploration of the immersive cosmos this week the co-creators of the hit show the order of the golden scribe initiation tea writer director arlo howard and producer and puzzle master shrai chen join us to talk about their show which not only made multiple members of the review crew's best of 2023 lists but also got a coveted golden lock from Room Escape artists. All ahead of a return engagement in New York City, which kicks off on February 11th. You can also read up on the show at the site, as the Order of the Golden Scribe is the subject of one of our latest coming soon posts, along with another New York City show, The Tiger's Bride, whose creative team will be the guests of honor at next Monday's New York City meetup, which is sold out. You can get on the waiting list of the meetup at the link in the show notes. The same is true for our LA meetup, and we look forward to seeing so many of you at both events next week. Remember, no pro backers get first crack at tickets to these things, along with access to our Discord, where you can connect with fans and creators. Head over to patreon.com slash for the hookup. Speaking of, let's give a quick shout out to our latest backers, David Leo, Sarah Ratcliffe, and Molly Hay. Thank you all so much. You're keeping us on the right side of where we need to be to keep the shop doors open. So, as always, big thanks to our sustaining backers, Samuel Mystery, Chris Woolman, Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Daryl, John Boulette, Cameo Wood, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentis, Kurt Collins, Ryan, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hanson, Lecker LeCool, The Ministry of Peculiarities, and Jan Budman. And hey... If you've got something you want to hook this community up with, uh, hit me up at noah at and we can work out the details. All right. Just a short intro this time. Let's get into the interview and more from me on the other side. Joining us now are Shirai Chen and Arlo Howard, the co-creators behind Order of the Golden Scribe, Initiation T, to tell us all about the remount that's coming up in New York City starting February 11th and running on weekends to the end of March. Shirai, Arlo, thanks for joining us on the pod. Hey, thanks for having us. Excellent. We're ready to get into this because we've been talking a little bit before. Shirai, I'm going to start with you here. Could you tell us how you and Arlo first started working together. And Arlo, don't worry, I will I will get you to verify this tale once your eyes told it. Well, Arlo and I have known each other since 2019. Um, when we met, we were both doing a separate artists and residencies in New York, in San Francisco. And then um, I was, during the pandemic, I was hiring for facilitators and actors for my virtual team building games. And um, Arlo was brought onto the team. And I quickly realized Arlo 
had so much more experience creating and making experiences. So then we started collaborating and Arlo and I have made three, four, five different experiences or so. Um, and it's always been a joy to play with them. So, yeah. Arlo, does that check out? Is that that, that, that story? Yeah. yeah, that totally checks out. Yeah. What, if you don't mind my asking, what were the, what were the San Francisco residencies? What were those? So the Latitude Society space in oh, the yeah. Mission District. Um, oh, the Rathskeller. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Rathskeller. Yeah. Uh, so Steve at Epic got access to the space and gave us access for a week each. Arlo created this beautiful experience about the liminal space between life and death and I created a seven course puzzling experience where you had to solve a puzzle to get all one of seven courses ending with lickable wallpaper (laughs) I will ask about the secrets of lickable wallpaper later now I remember I remember when that was was going on in 2019 like uh, before pre-pandemic it's like all a haze some stuff Mm -hmm. it's like now you say it's like oh yeah I remember all that was going on uh I remember that well um Arlo, Order of the Golden Scribe Initiation Tea is coming back. Uh, it made it made Blake's list, uh, so it made our, our best experiences of of, uh, of of last year. Um, for those who missed it, uh, what's what's the what's the pitch here? Other than like, a, oh, people like it. Uh, you know, Room Escape Artist said it was good. No Pro said it was good. Come see. What is the actual pitch on this show? Uh, yeah, well, I was just really excited that people seem to like it so much. It's just like hmm, delightful. Um, so Order of the Golden Scribe is a afternoon tea with puzzles. So there's puzzles that unlock each course of a four-course afternoon tea, tea, sandwiches, scones, desserts. Um, and the tea itself is being hosted by this mysterious organization called the Order of the Golden Scribe. And now for them, for the Order, each of these courses, these puzzles is about your final tests to join the Order of the Golden Scribe. So that's what's happening on the surface. And what's happening underneath that is shortly after you arrive, you find out that the Order might not be all they seem to be, and they might be up to no good. Uh, And so you're invited into a a B-plot around that. And so there's a lot of opportunity to interact with characters. There are some lovely puzzles, delicious snacks, and so... What I think is really exciting about it is that there is an entry point for all kinds of different players. You know, we get some people who are just excited about, oh, an afternoon tea with a theme and some people who come for the puzzles and some people who come to interact. And, you know, in a perfect world, you get a mix um, in your team. So everybody gets to do something that they really enjoy doing and dip their toes into something that they maybe haven't encountered before. Take us through the user experience. Um, set some expectations here, particularly say for folks who maybe go to like installations or just do immersive theater. We know we've got a lot of folks in the gaming space in here, but but just for the sake of argument, what can someone expect coming through the doors? Yeah, I think what's nice about Order of the Golden Scribe is it's really designed to meet people where they are so that however you come into the room is perfect. 
so you come in and you're greeted by someone uh, from the order who brings you into this initiation tea, gives you a seat, has you sit down. And as soon as you sit down, you might notice uh, a little note. And in that note, you get sort of introduced to this B plot. There's uh, some information revealed that unravels this B plot that you can engage with if you're interested. But there's always space for people who just want to come and have an afternoon tea to have an afternoon tea. People who just want to lean into the puzzles can just lean into the puzzles. And so it it really is designed to grab people where they are. And one of the things we do in the experience is we are really trying to scaffold the interactivity. So if you do engage in that B plot, that's more the interactive theatery bits and uh, almost leans into like LARP style play where you're really getting to interact with the characters in this world. Um, we start with quite a simple thing, a little ask of like, oh, get to know your hosts, like make friends. And then the asks and the invitations of how to play get more and more intensive as you go through the play. So we're really trying to ease people into interactive play, making it really approachable. And we have ways built in to try to get everybody involved um, if they so choose to. And there's always the option to just say, you know what, I'm going to have my tea and my scones and watch all this madness happen here for my seat. And that is a perfectly great way to experience the show as well. So, I mean, the second you started talking about that, I started thinking about sort of video game tutorialization and sort of like, mm -hmm. you know, kind of breadcrumbing people through. It's like, okay, you're going to be doing like this. So like, and now you're going to be doing like that. Like, oh, now you can kind of put that stuff together. Is is that part of the conception here, the, this easing in of like kind of showing them how they can play and sort of teaching folks in steps? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely a part of it and how I'm thinking about it when I'm designing because I'm always, uh, I'm always designing for someone who has never come into something like this before. Like those are the people that I'm thinking about and saying like, how do I get them into play and how do we also offer play that people who are deep divers and really comfortable with this ways where they can dive in deep really quickly, um, but also... I think with any sort of interactive or immersive experience, you always have different rules of play from whatever they've been to last. We're always engaging in a new type of world and a new type of play with whatever we've made. So I think there's always that time that's necessary of saying like, oh, hey, here's how we get to engage together. This is your role. This is how you get to play with what we've created. And then... And then tonally, from from sort of a, the narrative point of view, like what kind of emotional tones uh, should people kind of expect? You know, like there's 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 different types of secret society uh, vibes, as it were. What what's what's the <laughs> what's the vibe here? Or or can it, or do the players have a lot of say in terms of where the vibe goes? Yeah, I mean, I think the vibe is really light and playful, and like that's definitely a lot of like tries influence and um also i tend to make things that are quite lighthearted. um so it is very light it's like oh there is sort of like cultia illuminati vibes happening but it never feels like dangerous or really scary um, so hermetic of the order of the golden dawn before crowley showed up so just like yates and lady gregory maybe oh wait am i showing my, my sorry forgot <laughs> 
Never mind. Pretend I didn't say that, everybody. Uh, you know what I mean, right? Right? <laughs> I may have lost Arlo. This is I, I, I don't. I like, I'm like, I, I, I do not have that reference at the top of my head. So I do not know. Oh, I'll tell you afterwards. Okay, so, great. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it really is. Because for us, it's like we want to make a place where people feel welcome to play. Um, so it is very lighthearted and fun. There's definitely some darker narratives that you can dive into if you really want to go there. It's like there is those portions if you're if you're interested in diving into the darkness there's there's some fun stuff to dive into okay so if it wasn't inspired by the hermetic order of the golden dawn which is where like my brain goes when i hear the words order and golden what's the origin of the name um well we knew that we wanted to have some sort of secret society and we had decided what they were up to um and that was a lot of it a lot of that inspiration came from me doing oodles of research into the history of tea. And um, yeah, it's a lot of colonization that happens in it. Uh, and so coming up with what this organization is, looking at different ways that secret societies are named. And we really wanted a name that you know, that made it kind of clear what was happening. Uh, so that's that's where the uh, scribe came in and then it needed a color. At one point we had played around with emerald, but we landed on gold and it just, there was something about this idea of this like sun figure that, uh, that you see in the, like in the symbol that was really appealing to us. What did you both learn on the last run of golden scribe? And, and this could be, it could be something about mechanics. It could be something about the social dynamics when you're putting teams together, or it could just be about marketing the show. What did you? What do you feel like you learned on the last run that's influenced your approach this time with the remount? Well, for me, I don't come from a service restaurant background. I just love food, and it's one of my love languages. Um, so I learned how to run a semi-professional kitchen um, doing this show, and it's been interesting um, trying to figure out best practices and everything. That's that's not a small order either, right? <laughs> no. Like, we, I we, just... I'm a tea snob, so I've been to a lot of afternoon teas, so I had to have, like, very specific things. Like, we had to have whipped butter and uh, lemon curd for the scones, and it had to be whipped. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, were you working out of a commercial kitchen to, for, for the last time, or are you working out of a commercial time kitchen Last it, time, it wasn't a commercial kitchen. This time, it is. So, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be easier, hopefully. We'll yeah. Well, what was what was the process there of like sourcing that out? Because that's one of the things when people are making this stuff, particularly when food's involved, like you you do end up taking on these like extra entrepreneurial tasks. Like, how hard was it to like track down a professional like a commissary kitchen to work out of and 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 get all that together? Like that that's that's is a tall order. We had uh, several team members with a food safety license, and we uh, I really leaned on them to kind of make sure that everything we're doing is up to par. Um, yeah. 
it's pretty simple to make the base afternoon tea that we had, but we've had some very interesting dietary restrictions. Um, <laughs> and we try to be as accommodating as we can, but some people are just like, we, I don't eat bread or carbs and we can't deal with something like that. Yeah. That, that, that sort of, that's what tea I mean, that's what a, yeah. that's what a, that's what high tea <laughs> is. What it's tea is. it's yeah. carbs. It's like, you know, you might as well say like, oh, I'm inviting you to carbs. Uh, would you like to have high carbs <laughs> with me? Um, maybe that maybe make it easier on everybody and they can be like, no, I don't want carbs. Like, okay, wait for the other version of it. So <laughs> the non-carb. I mean, yeah, historically, that's what afternoon tea was all about. It was about having something that was feeling that could hold you over from one meal to the next and that's like the origin story of afternoon tea so yeah carbs <laughs> carbs carbs all around uh so a lot of different types of folks come through the show i have to imagine what's the most you've ever seen the show go off the rails um i think there's things I I don't necessarily think of it as going off the rails, but there have been some ways that people have played that we haven't expected. Um, so I think one of our like whole group's favorite stories is our very uh, first, our like opening show. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris came and played, and he is the most delightful person to have play. He just leans in so far and he plays with such joy and delight. Um, And in that particular um, show, the audience decided to, there's something that generally the audience get the host to help them do. And in this instance, the audience decided that they didn't need any help, but they were going to do it themselves. Um, And so they made this plan with one of our our game facilitators of like, this is what we're going to do. We don't need any of the hosts to help us. And they completely did something uh, that we had not really planned for. Um, And what's kind of amazing about the way this show is designed and really how incredible the cast are is, is it allows for people to propose new ways to play to say, Hey, this is what we think we'd like to do in this situation. And as long as it's possible within the world we have built and within our capacity as like game facilitators, we will say yes to it. Um, And that's one of the things that I'm really interested in and excited about as a maker is how do we make experiences where we can radically say yes to our audience or uh, some people call it like, yes, yay, taking what they're excited about and going, yeah, that's exactly the thing. Let's do that. That kind of ability to live direct on the fly and 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 shift things around in in relation to what the audience is doing that for a lot of folks on the on the audience side is often what they don't know is the secret sauce of of immersive um, and and it's really exciting to hear that you're you're thinking of this show as having those affordances and 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 running into that right from the start from the first time you had like you know paying customers. Oh yeah, oh yeah, always into the deep end. Uh never never waiting in lightly, always into the deep end. That's always the way it goes. And like it's absolutely um it's one of those moments where I really love and appreciate my cast and 
and the abilities that they bring to the table and their ability to, without hesitation, go, yep, okay, great, we can make that happen. And yeah, they're, they're incredible and I love them so much. Yeah. The framework on this one is, you know, it's, it's initiation tea for the Order of the Golden Scribe. But there is that colon there, right? So it's Order of the Golden Scribe, colon, initiation tea. So oh, they're both smiling. I'm wondering, uh, is it, do you envision like a, a, a bigger world building here or just sort of like you stumbled into this one? Like what's, what's the thought? Not, not committed practice, but what's the thought here? I think one of the things that we were interested in, well, first of all, I wanted a title that said what it is um, mm. because I felt like the clarity of what this thing is being in the title felt really useful for people coming into it to be like, it's an afternoon tea felt really important to say upfront. Um, but also in doing that and creating the title, we're like, oh, we've also kind of left the door open of like, building more things in this world like is there you know another chapter in this golden scribe uh, world in which you go to the headquarters of the order and the next part of the plot unfolds i think there's something fun in that possibility uh nothing planned but there's something delightful that i really enjoy about that idea Shri, is that something that 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 you also enjoy? This sense of like a a broader world building beyond the edges of of the th the thing that is happening at that exact moment. Yeah, I mean, the world that Arlo and our cast have built is, and also our players have built, is so fascinating and fun. Um, uh, and we're definitely open to doing more and different kinds of experiences based on this world. Um, but also. The idea of food plus puzzles plus immersive theater is just something that's like so fascinating and so joyful to me that I would definitely want to do something related to that again. So even though like juggling all three of those things can be pretty difficult, you feel like the payoff has been has been worth it. Yes, definitely. What what is it about that combo that that you think you know? kind of draws you in and, and and you want to play with so much? Well, I think it just appeals to all kinds of different people. Um, and specifically for me, that's like who I am. I'm a, I'm a foodie who loves puzzles and love messing with actors. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I've really loved about collaborating with Shrai is that, you know, I come from like deep theater world and uh, – sort of all of the the muck that you can get into in your head and and she comes at it from this perspective of just like pure joy and like this is what's fun and exciting to me and so that's been really wonderful to lean into in our collaborations because I can get like you know in like the lore and like oh what if we took this inspiration from Lear and made it into a puzzle and like and she's like sure seems fun or doesn't seem like fun and I can go great that's really helpful. Uh, so that's been really delightful in our collaborations, I think. Do you, do you find yourself that sometimes like sneaking in subversive things or like, you know, flipping through like theater, the oppressed and being like, okay, I think I can get, I think get a little something right in here, right before we serve the scones. Oh, I mean, it's definitely in there. I'm not saying that this 
project isn't inspired by by Lear. <laughs> like I'm just saying that it's not obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, Shrey, back to you for a second here. So you know you mentioned the the online team building stuff, and I know that you've been running that under the Greater Good Games brand for for the run of the pandemic, and then you also split off. A, a kind of a sub-brand of Patrick Adventures. What's what's the relationship here? What's what's the whole kind of stack of 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 your of your entrepreneurial endeavors at the moment? <laughs> yeah, I mean, both Greater Good Games and Patrick Adventures are just literally me, and then I hire lots of actors and facilitators and creators to help create things. Um, so I started Greater Good Games in 2015. We were mostly running like scavenger hunts, pop-up escape rooms and stuff like that. Uh, actually in 2017, I started working on virtual team building. So I created a uh, an escape room to be played on Zoom. Um, so when the pandemic hit, it was very interesting to be in this like weird chaos of the world completely changing. But also my business has like skyrocketed. My goal for 2020 was to have 20 events and we ended up having 200 events. And then then in 2021, we had 600 events. So it's, it's been interesting. (laughs) Yeah. That, that, that kind of rapid scaling, I mean, 10 times and then like, you know, and then three times the next year when you'd already gone so far, like that's a lot of actors you had to like pull in a lot of facilitators. Yeah. I was so grateful because I was one of the only ones hiring at the beginning of, of the pandemic. I got to pick from all of the best people in the in the world um which is how i gobbled up arlo and have never let them go um, um but yeah i was uh grateful enough to have like over 100 actors on my roster and be able to provide them with a little bit of something during that weird crazy time um, now did patchwork start as like okay now we're gonna get back to like embodying things or like like a spinoff like so actually patrick was supposed to be the virtual team building stuff because it it felt like it was different enough from the in-person stuff i was doing before um but then i re- i realized patchwork adventures is so much easier to say and spell and for people to understand because you're like patching people together from all different places um, kind of like on a Zoom screen almost, um, whereas Greater Good Games has the number eight in it and nobody can spell it or say it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone emails me with the wrong email. <laughs> yeah. So you're, I think we talked about this about, we talked a little bit about this at the, before we started recording, which is you're sort of pivoting into patchwork being like the, the covering, everything. Yep. covering everything. So, you know, you have you have the website of things uh, probably still going pretty well, and then you've come back to IRL with Golden Scribe. Are, are there other things in team building world, other, other physical manifestations of the work that you're that you're playing with? At the yeah, moment? we're playing with all kinds of different things. Uh, Golden Scribe is one of our biggest priorities, but also this year I definitely want to do more in person events. Uh, we've been doing scavenger hunts and like pop-up murder mysteries and escape rooms. Um, We're also looking into brand marketing campaigns and Arlo and I, along with another collaborator, uh, Strother, worked on this really fun, really interactive game that can be hosted either virtually or hybrid. Um, 
where it's it's based around DEIB principles and around conflict resolution and priority setting in the workplace. Um, so it could be used for learning and development, but it's such a joyful game where players have to like diffuse a confuzzled AI and they have to land a spaceship and they have to patch a leaking fuel tank with a Band-Aid. <laughs> it's adorable. Oh, that sounds, that's, yeah. I love I love this idea of like you know taking stuff that's like hey we've got these like you know we've got these real conundrums like like societal conundrums and let's up, let's try to put it in a place where people can like approach it with a sense of play to get some get some cognitive distance distance enough so they can actually see how the mechanics are working and and exactly. and, and and flex the muscles. Yeah, I mean, what I think is the magic of games is that it can teach people things without them actually knowing they're learning things. Um, So for the conflict resolution part, um, the AI is like very confused and players have to teach them box breathing and five, four, three, two, one technique. Um, But when they're teaching the AI to do this, this is what you actually teach people in DIB workshops, like actual, um, talks and workshops that they do, um, to learn how to, resolve high energy high emotion conflicts so i want to call something out uh that happened at the top of this month when we're recording because i think this will probably this might go at the top of february so it may have been all of them whole month ago when this occurred but i got to uh participate i almost said play which is also true it was both play and participate in a in like a rapid prototyping like game design workshop that Arlo ran at Worlds in Play, which happened at ASU's Mix Center in Mesa at the top of of this year, and I just wanted to call out like it was definitely the highlight of my Sunday of that week, and might have been the highlight of my whole week, and I'm still carrying around the cards for the game we made, which uh, if memory serve was called Crab Crush. The crab racing dating sim uh, is is what we came up with, um, which involved a lot of crab puns uh, and was completely ridiculous. Um, but what I was what I was struck by was like it was all done very quickly. Like we had you gave us twenty minutes to make like a game that could be taught and played in five. And I'm one. I want to acknowledge you did an awesome job facilitating that and setting it up and getting us all through. And it was so much fun, but then it made me think about like, what is your process when it comes to prototyping and trying things out? Because you get to, you get to live in this world where you're like running workshops like that, but you're also using some of these techniques all the time. Like, and that managed to start from nothing but a prompt, a very simple, you know, conceptual prompt and then running from there. Are those are those in your toolkit? Yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. A lot of the prompts that I gave in that workshop are actually sort of prompts that I've used to make experiences. So, like, a lot of them were from Liminal House of the Adjudicate, which was the the project where Shrey and I initially met when I was in San Francisco, um, or other projects. Uh, it's a lot of the times when I'm creating something, I am starting with. Um, a why, a takeaway, a what I want people to walk away thinking about or feeling or what is like the gift we're giving our audience. Um, so I I think about that a lot as my starting place. And so like 
um, in Order of the Golden Scribe, I thought about like, well, I wanted to make a game where it was fun to be the good guy. Because I feel like we, there's a lot of experiences that are it's like, oh, we're like, you know, escaping this or we're stealing this. And it's, um, and it's you know, playing with sub, like subversiveness. And so like for that, for Scribe, I was thinking about, can we make it, make an experience where it is, you get that fun, playful subversiveness, but by being the good guys. Um, so that's something that I was interested in that. But yeah, I think anything I do, I'm always looking at like, what is it that I am sharing with audience? What sort of behaviors am I encouraging in audience? What kind of things are people going to be left thinking about? Um, and then I sort of design from that point. Uh, so the workshop that you did is sort of just like a crunched version of the way I like to work. And um, yeah, sometimes I'll make things that are like, it's a tiny bit of gameplay that we can kind of try out to see, you know, what sings, what resonates. Um, and the idea of like trying things out early when they're about half made, I find really helpful because then sometimes there's stuff that you think is absolutely brilliant and you go and you play test it and it falls flat immediately. And sometimes there's stuff that in that play test you make up off the cuff and just, you know, spit out because you're like, this isn't working. I'll try this. And that's actually the thing that people get really excited about. Um, so those ideas of using rapid prototyping and just trying things out when they're half made is stuff that I'm, you know, doing all the time just to find out what resonates with people. Cause the thing that resonates with me won't always resonate with other people. Um, uh, so I find that really a really important part of the process. Shirai, one of your titles is sort of like puzzle master for for patchwork. So is your process similar or like or or does th- is the art of puzzle making such that things are a, a little tighter or is it really about kind of prototyping to see when people can kind of grok what it is you're trying to get them to do? Yeah, I mean, I design for delight. So usually the way that I create puzzles or experiences is I usually have like what I want people to come away with at the end, but also a couple of wow moments in the middle that they're like, oh my God, and they'll tell their friends about it. And it feels like the world has changed. So I like designing that way where I have like little sparks um, of delight and then I'll add other puzzles and other experiences on top of that. For both of you, how do you know, like, is there something in, in the feedback process or during the development when you're having people test stuff, how do you know when something's hitting? Is it, is it a case of like what people are saying about it? Or is it like, are you looking for like particular things they're doing? It's really about just watching people. I find like, you know, verbal feedback is always helpful, but the most useful thing is just watching people play. Like there usually is very little that surprises me in verbal feedback if I've watched them play because I can see when they're leaning in, when they get excited about things, when those aha moments, like where they they get really amped about something, when things goes completely to chaos. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's really just about watching, watching your players. 
And I do always have like specific questions I ask in feedback sessions, but it's mostly just about watching people. Ditto for me. It's literally just watching people's faces and their their body language as they're experiencing the thing and making sure it matches with where I want them to be. Fantastic. Well, Order of the Golden Scribe Initiation Tea. It's coming back to New York City February 11th, running through the end of March. Uh, at least uh, you got that, got that run going. Uh, and anything else uh, we should be, you know, expecting from the two of you coming off the assembly line uh, this year or? I mean, I've got a couple of projects in the hopper, but nothing that is going to be coming out or that I can really speak about at the moment, but I've always got things cooking. Good to know you're keeping busy. So Shari, what about you? Yeah, um, I always have a bazillion different ideas of things that I'm excited about working on. Um, I'm definitely hoping to have a cocktail party for spies ready for the general public sometime soon. So, yeah. That sounds delightful. <laughs> and then you get to have the joy of dealing with liquor licenses. so uh, <laughs> Or at least finding a bar that's willing to do stuff. So. <laughs> Yep. You're diving right into the tough stuff when it comes to the food and bev. So uh, good on you for that. You're gonna have this... It truly is. She has no fear. I've always yeah. been like terrified where I'm like, I ran an immersive theater company for seven years. Never did I ever touch food and bev uh, because of this. But yeah, she was like, we're diving into the deep end. I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> it comes from the innocence of not knowing how terrible everything is. <laughs> and then being too stubborn to say, I can't do this. <laughs> hey, that's how half the things in the world get done. Like you rub against your bureaucracy. And it's like, nope, not going to let this one stop me this time. Uh, and then sooner or later, they just, they just bend. Good job. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, everyone should check the show notes uh, for getting tickets to Order of the Golden Scribe Initiation Tea, and uh, we will keep our eyes out for projects from both of you in the not-too-distant. Thanks. 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 Once again, I want to thank Arlo and Shirai for being our guests on the show this week. Check the show notes to find how to get tickets to the Order of the Golden Scribe Initiation Tea. Learn more about the show in the coming soon. Uh, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, let's see. Uh, one more thing you should be looking at, and I will put this in the show notes uh, over on the site this week. Uh, the call sheet is back. Uh, we've got some casting in Denver. We've also got some pretty big jobs at both Netflix and Disney. Uh, Netflix uh, looking uh, for people to help lead the Netflix House initiative uh, in, in, in terms of, uh, I think, I think the, it's like managing the stores or like setting up how the stores are going to be managed. Uh, stores, should we call them stores? I don't know. Uh, kind of going off the top of the dome with that one because I haven't looked at that listing in, uh, in a hot minute. Uh, and then Disney, uh, there is a show director uh, for uh, a Disney events uh, subsidiary uh, that one that one came through because Sarah Thatcher of uh, WDI was posting it, uh, sharing it in a couple of spaces and saying, hey, immersive heads, uh, check this one out. So even though it doesn't say anything about immersive in there, um, uh, in the listing, that show director uh, might be working on some uh, immersive related projects, which also doubly means we really need someone who knows immersive to get on that. Because, uh, you know, things would break 
the wrong way if we're not careful. Uh, so somebody please uh, go apply for that job. Yeah, it is it is in uh, Lake Buena Vista, Florida, aka Orlando. So uh, you know these are these are the things. These are the things. Hey, I didn't pick where the companies are. Okay, so um, that's <laughs> that's the thing at the moment. Uh, oh, not, not only, uh, class started this week. I'm back at CalArts and, uh, teaching a new course. This one's called origins of immersive. Uh, it is about the history of immersive and preparing this class and continuing to prepare this class, which will be an all semester long affair, uh, is, uh, has been fantastic. It's been really exciting. I hope to get some cool interviews uh out of this as we go there might be some weird audio quality coming in the future because of doing some stuff in class and trying to record it um or there might just be like follow-up interviews uh using real microphones or the good microphone but uh it's it's just it's fun to go and start telling this story in a cohesive way um and this is kind of the first draft of that uh, as we put the, as I put the lectures together and, uh, sort of guide the students through the, the hybrid history, all the, all the multidisciplinary shenanigans, uh, and, and it's meant that I've gotten to go down and take time to like go do research on primary sources, which is something I don't afford myself to do. That's essentially like what I'm interpreting my paycheck from the university as It's like, Oh, I'm going to go do this now. This is what I need to do. Uh, so, you know, a real, like, you know, a real, a real moment of, you know, doing something I've always wanted to do and take the time to do it. I've just needed the coverage to do it. Uh, so also know that like when it comes to, you know, backing the show or, or, or any of the other stuff, when people like give money directly to the Institute, when we, when we do fundraisers there, uh, that's the kind of thing that you, that you afford, you, you give us the time to take a breath and go deeper, uh, as opposed to just be scrambling all the time. Uh, so really grateful for, for my job there at CalArts that's letting me do exactly that right now. And, uh, particularly in a time when there's, there's, you know, there's a good amount of primary sources, but also some of the, some of the people who, uh, were pivotal pivotal over the last 40 years of this. Uh, and, and the history is longer than that, but, uh, you know, some of those people are getting up there. And so there's only so much time we have to capture that material. And, uh, that's something I'm, I'm looking forward to doing. So on that note, uh, me like all excited about where things have been. Also, it's what one of the funnier things, sorry, uh, you know, my, you know me. So like one of the primary sources, uh, that I found, there was an article in like 1989 about, um, uh, Tamara, uh, getting extended, uh, here in Los Angeles. Um, uh, and, and <laughs> it reminded me that article, like felt like the exact same chatter of what, what's happening around sleep no more right now. Like the exact same, like, what do you mean they're extending it again? Right? Like it was ex like word for word, right? You know, good old Battlestar Galactica, everything that's happened before is happening again. Uh, just like we are, we are in a loop. Time is a flat circle. Um, although I will say, and this is the point I'd also make to the students, right? Like as I'm going to take them the spoiler for the students who are listening, one of the points for next week's lecture is, uh, uh, we've, yes, we've done this before, but that doesn't necessarily mean the outcome in terms of the larger effect is going to be the same, right? Like there wasn't, there, there 
from what I've, what I've seen <laughs> in terms of the sources and sourcing can be hard, you know, there wasn't the same kind of, you know, kind of pre-Cambrian explosion of activity in the wake of Damaraz there was in Sleep No More. So, uh, we're in a very different spot. Uh, one of, one of the things of which is, uh, Dragon Slayer, which is going to be up in Seattle because you have folks who were performers in Sleep No More and performers at the McKittrick who've been, you know, working together on side projects this entire time. And now they're launching, uh, and it's just a two night run initially, I suppose, maybe I don't know that there's more, but like they're, they're launching a, a dance theater immersive piece in Seattle. Uh, over a weekend in February. And so we're, we're seeing that sort of stuff, or at least we're able to track it. And the ability to track it means that we can generate more. So there you go. That's been the theory here and it's worked so far. All right. On that note, uh, thank you all for writing along this week and let's get you into the rest of your weekend. The associate producer of No Persinium is Parker Sella. Music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society and Solar the Podcast. Special thanks to Shavano Lachlan for voicing our intro and everything you just heard is my fault. I'm Noah Nelson and until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>